This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is iFanboy Pick the Week 798, brought to you by Mac Weldon. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy and our promo code iFanboy. Radically efficient wardrobing. And iFanboy listeners just like you. Got this in pocket. Got battle. I am gonna use it. Intention. Hello, welcome to my fanboy Pick League episode 798. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host Josh Flanagan. Hi there. <laughs> your your hello was in direct competition with what you wrote in the script. <laughs> Which, in case anyone's wondering, we don't script everything, but we put little joke welcome messages in the script and i wasn't looking at the script at the time so i'd forgotten what i wrote and i went back and i was like the motherfucking champion there you go Which... we are a fanboy every group a bunch of comics one of us picks the best one they liked we call it the pick of the week we struggled to find enough books to put in the show to talk about we talk about those books we talk about the patron pick we hopefully answer some listener mail we have a good time it's all about having a good time as we ramp up to episode 800 josh you had this pick. There's a spoiler warning that I skipped, and here it is. Josh had the pick, and Josh, on this week of comics, we should note that, you know, savvy listeners will, will, will recognize that we usually have about eight to ten books to talk about on the show. That's usually our, where we go. But I think this week we have seven, and that was a struggle. It was a struggle. Yeah, and it wasn't like there we weren't books. It wasn't like, wow, no, I, like I last week. I read 22 comics yeah. this week. Yeah, I don't know what that says. I don't know if that says anything about comics or us, but here we are. This is how we, this is how we deal with it. it was just the week. It was very much just a, you know, that was fine week. So last yeah. night around, I want to say, 9 Eastern, mm-hmm. Connor texts me, says, you know what the pick is? And I'm reading. I'm actively reading at that moment. And uh, I don't know, i got a handful left. I'd already read all the big stuff. You know, the mainstream stuff, I mean, and uh, I went, I, I, I got nothing. I got, I got nothing. And then about an hour later, I had finished all the sort of uh, other uh, books I had to do. And then I was like, oh, I guess I'll read some more. So I like went and found some other books to read. And a little while after that, I, I texted him. I just said, fuck it, you saw Gio Jimbo. <laughs> and I think I will struggle slightly to come up with a brilliant story bits of this. But I will tell you that every there are two ongoing 
uh, Usagi Ojimbo releases from IDW. He moved over from Dark Horse after years and years and years and years and years at Dark Horse. Uh, they're yes. over uh, at IDW and they were colorizing them, um, which I, I tend to think neither gives nor takes away all that much. Um, I've gotten very used to it, so it's not weird seeing it in color, but, um, so there are two ongoing, uh, one of them are sort of reprints of old, uh, stories that have been colorized and are being reprinted. And the one of them are sort of the ongoing adventures. I struggle to tell you the difference between them other than the title. Like I don't go, Oh, this is old or this is new. It's pretty goddamn consistent. Well, that's, um, the, that's the beauty of, of the book. Yeah. And I've only read it on and off. You've been reading it pretty consistently. So in the but, old, yeah. old, old days, I mean, Yusagi Yojimbo has been around for probably 35 years, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Um, and, you know, I knew about it for a long time. And I didn't really read it. And, and at some point, you know, in the 2000s, and I started picking it up here and there. And it's fun, whatever, but people would refer to it in sort of reverent tones and, you know, oh, this is this thing, it's a master and whatever. And, and I was like, it's fine, you know, it's good. And then, you know, at some point, uh, I think I'm, I've, I think the Us at I fanboy had, we all had some version of religious conversion uh, mm-hmm. when it came to comics. Um, and it, it tends to coincide with our specific tastes and what's available. And, and one day with these, these comics that you saw, they clicked. I was like, I just love this. I don't know yeah. why. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I can. I can expound when we talk about Rorschach or we talk about whatever it is we're gonna talk about. I can look at it and I can say, "Oh, well, he did this thing with the plot, and and I liked this this tone and whatever." And the the thing about Yusagi Yojimbo is that for the last you know handful of years, it comes out and I just go, "Sweet." They <laughs> go by really fast. They're they're you know an easy read, um, but that isn't to say that it's. Um, it's entirely breezy. There's something there to it that I just really enjoy. And I, I, I literally, every time one comes out, I'm like, sweet. And they come out like once every two weeks. It's great. And, uh, you know, this issue uh, was no exception. This is issue number 22 of the current ongoing series. Um, Usagi and his cousin are walking through some town. That's what the book is. <laughs> you don't want to expect there's not going to be like a very special issue. It's right. he's they're walking through town and they run into some little girl that they kind of know and they help uh, uh, the their guards chasing her and they help evade the guards and she's like I don't know what happened. He's like Yes you do, and he doesn't p- fall for her bullshit, but he likes her. And then the girl's older sister comes along and and he's wary of them, but he likes them. And Yusagi's like fully competent. No one's getting the drop on him, mm-hmm. but he's got like a. I don't know. Something about that character has a great attitude. Like he's completely wise to the world and isn't going to have one pulled over him, but he's very benevolent and sort of, you know, he's, he's just, a, he's a calm dude. And he, he meets this other girl and the other girl like mugs his friend and she's like, give the money, like pick, pickpockets him, give it back. And she's like, okay, fine. And, and they, they just, it's tied to an earlier story where there was a sword stolen and then there was a forgery and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the point is these girls went and they stole something from somebody important and it is like a list of their bribes and crimes. And so Yusagi's like, we got to go give this to police. And the girl's like, what do we sell it to the guy? And he's, he's like, no, we can't do that. And then all of the guy's soldiers went and attacked them and they all work together. You know, it's it's super simple, but there is at the inside like, A, there's a little morality play. Mm-hmm. A lot of this samurai stuff, you know, if you read it, and I'm sure we're getting super westernized versions of it, but it's always like there's right and there's wrong and there's good and there's evil. 
and Usagi sort of because he's he's a he's a ronin, he's a wandering samurai without a master. You know, he's learned to live in the world a little bit and has has flexible morality in terms of what's actually right versus what the rule is. Right. If that makes sense. And that has something to do with the whole thing. And you know, whenever there's a fight, there's no danger because you know Usagi's going to win against a billion people, and that's kind of the fun part. Is over and over watching people be like, "Let's get him," and he's like, "All right, let's do this again." You know, like it's <laughs> you know, he has less trouble with that than Batman does. At the end of it, Batman is tired and beaten up, right? Or you know, he's more like he's more like a tired Wolverine. He's like, "Yeah, okay, okay, just you know, I'll take care of this." Um, you know, he doesn't want to kill anybody, but he will. It, it, it should be said that. First of all, Stan Sakai is legitimately a master of the craft, yes. but it's incredibly pr- impressive to do 35 years of a book. Is it 35 years? You, 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 you I mean, I, what, what I was basing that on the fact that I know that when I was a kid in the late 80s, there was a Usagi Yojimbo Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figure. So I know oh, it's been right. around at least that long. Well, how was a part of it? It's a long fucking time. It's. It, it, as anyone who's done the same thing week after week knows, it can be really hard. I mean, especially if you're coming up with a different story every time. 1984 was when the first issue came out. So nearly 40, uh, yeah, 30, 36 years. I nailed it, by the way. So 37. 36 years of telling samurai stories, and they're still really good. Yeah, they're it's fun, they're fresh, they don't... I, I know. I just I don't get the sense that there's any. Wait, did I have that toy too? I never had the toy. I just remember it, and I was like, "What is that?" Um, I might have had the toy. I don't know why. I didn't even know it was a comic. But Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came from the exact same scene yeah. that Usagi Yojimbo did. It's, it's just really impressive. That it is. It, the quality level is still super high, just, and, and you, he still you just got don't new get the sense. You don't get the sense of phoning it in. He's just no. this guy is just channeling this thing that he does. Stan right. Sakai. Like, this is the thing he does. I've, I don't think I've actually met him. I don't think of it, but I've seen him at shows. We have seen him at cons and always he talked about seems, interviewing him, but never did on the show. He seems sort of like Usagi. Yeah. Like, he just looks like he's in a good mood. He, you know, he do, he gets to do his thing. Uh, you know, it, it's no challenge. To, it, I mean, it's a big challenge to sort of still be around, you know, to, to I'm sure sales aren't burning up the charts or whatever, but he's going to do his thing. It's a perennial, though. Yeah. 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 And, no, uh, I, it's funny because you used to, you used to, that you stopped for a while, didn't you? Yeah, I came on and off, I think. You know, yeah, there's a while in the past where you, you would pick this with some regularity, not all the time, but, you know, a couple times a year. And, uh, it was always nice to check in on each other. And, I, and, I, and I'll dip in now and then. I'm not a ton, but... And I, you can I, I do that. That's, yeah. I think that's the other thing. There is some ongoing narrative, but really, you know, I don't ever really think, oh, I missed the last issue. It doesn't matter. Like, it right. just, you just... You go and you hang out with him on his travels for a little while. It's not... I will say, like, I enjoy it now a lot more than I ever did, you know, mm-hmm. f- for whatever reason. And I cannot put my finger on it, but I know... That when I looked at all my books this week, there was I was like, well, this is good as this. And I just thought, you know, the only one that I can say that I went through with just sort of like anticipation, followed up by the experience, followed by getting that last page and be like, oh, man, what happens next? That was Yusagi Yojimbo 22. And in a way, it's, it's so uh, it, almost innocuously enjoyable. Right. It's difficult for me to pick out what it is other than it, it makes me happy. I don't know if you're... 
your mom's cooking or, you know, just something that feels right and you're familiar with that you, you can't put your finger on about what it is. And, and I'm, there's not really a qualification there other than all the noise around it stepped away. And I was like, oh, this is the thing I enjoyed the most. Mm-hmm. And this is in a week where, like, people really, I don't think that was entirely successful, but comics really made a go at it. Like, they tried to, like, there were some big deal kind of comic books, you know, mm-hmm. and, and putting on a big show. And uh, at the end of it, I was like, oh, let's just go for these simple noodles. I think that makes me happy. <laughs> well, we had the final issue of Rorschach. Rorschach number 12, Tom King, Jorge Fornes, Dave Stewart, Clayton Cowles. And, you know, 11 was sort of... I think 11 was the high point in terms of the story. Like, you knew what was going to happen after 11. Yep. And so 12, the 12 was just a matter of watching it play out. Well, that that being said, I had no idea the manner in which this was. No, like, we, no, no. We no, knew no, what no. the mystery was, but this was complete, like, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen here. And honestly, by the end of it, and you can talk about the details, yeah. I was left like, I have no idea how I feel about what I just read. It, I thought this issue, this, the real strength of it was the way it played out in terms of, like you said, you, don't, you, you weren't sure how Ruffalo Columbo was going to expose this, the Turley campaign for orchestrating a, a hit on itself. And you didn't know how Ruffalo Columbo as the new Rorschach, which is what hit, was hinted in, in the set, last issue, uh, was going to get his Rorschachian revenge. Certainly didn't expect the massive stabbing campaign. But to me, it was the storytelling, especially Jorge Fornes, because this, essentially this issue is a conversation between there's basically four characters in this in this issue, and there's um, there's a lot of talking, and I just thought this the body language and the storytelling, you know, R- Ruffalo Colombo and the um, aide to the senator show up to the senator's office, and he just doesn't he's not even paying attention to them. And just the the facial expressions, he's kind of annoyed, but he's also kind of concerned about what this guy's found. I just loved the really slow, languid pace of it before we got to the stab, stab, stab part. And uh, I just thought this—I thought, I thought this was a terrific issue. I did. It's just you, you just there wasn't a ton of surprise in it, other than enjoying how it how it was constructed from a storytelling standpoint. But I can see how people wouldn't like this because. You know, you had to really be paying attention and infer things and look, notice the shadows on Ruffalo Columbo's face in the movie theater at the end and all that kind of stuff to see what was happening. As opposed to I, really I, laying it out and saying, I am Rorschach. Yeah, I, I still, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I'm, mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just still mulling it. Yep. Um, I think what you're right, what you said is right. It is... You know, it's not entirely unlike Watchmen itself, is that it, at the end, I think there's ambivalence there with that story, too. Mm-hmm. You, you you know, there's no hero. There's right. no... I do wish that I had read the issue before this, just... Um, oh, I did. At least gone through it to did. make sure I knew who I was looking at. It helped, because um, I, mean, I remember it being very specific in terms of what it was revealing, so I was like, I should probably just go back, and I don't ever hardly do that, but... Right, yeah, me neither. Uh, I was like, maybe considering it's the final show, I should just just make sure I remember exactly what happened, and I, I just went back and read it quickly before I read this one. So the the events that take place around the tape recorder, I went back through many times, mm-hmm. just to sort of figure out what had happened. It's not it's not that it's unclear. That's that's not the case. I just 
it's almost like what is on the tape, which is really you're so used to reading. Tapes like, of a s- Yes, that's what I'm saying. So like when you, I mean, it's kind of interesting because when you're actually we do hear the tape. The tape page, is just the speech yeah. he, he he plays to, to trick yeah. the guard outside. Yeah. So that's it's it's irrelevant. So in terms yeah. of the form. You know, you're reading the text because you're used to getting the story from that. Yes. And the, the text that is coming out of that tape play to, is, is irrelevant. It's completely innocuous. It has nothing to do with anything. And again, that's not, this is not, that's not criticism. Um, it's just an interesting playing with the form. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still thinking about it. I really enjoyed this miniseries. He, I mean, I, know, I remember we came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, it was like, wait, Tom King is doing a... Watchmen miniseries, and then yeah. it's and been. And are at the movies, so that's nice. <laughs> it's been so strange, um, but really compelling. And I really would like. I, mean, I don't often say this, but I really would like to read this all in one go and see, you know, how much mm-hmm. of it's laid out. But the ultimate story is that, you know, this Robert President Robert Redford has such a stranglehold on the electoral votes, especially those out of the new state of Vietnam, that the only chance is competitor thinks he has is to stage his own assassination and blame it on that redford campaign and so that's been the main driving force that's what this guy uncovers and and so since he's become inoculated into rorschach's worldview by the end of the story he decides the only proper way to end this is to kill everyone involved <laughs> instead of exposing them which is what he does it's so. weird so and then and the idea would be that like rorschachism it's like a, it's like a disease. Yeah, it infects people. And then the other thing is, I mean, Rorschach. Let's 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 go back and, and like you know, it's a thing where you look at random patterns and you say what you think about it, and that says something about you. And I think that's a theme that's happening: is that people are looking at this pattern, mm-hmm. they make the decision of it. It got Frank Miller, it got Steve Ditko, <laughs> and now it got Ruffalo Colombo. Right. And violence was the answer to all of that stuff. Right. <laughs> I think at the end, after the stabbing, Frank Miller should have like bust through the window and he's like, stab a motherfucker! <laughs> that would have been the best way to go. I mean, um, I assume it's a stabbing. We don't see it. Is there a uh, knife in that guy's neck? Oh, he stabs him with the beer bottles. That's what it was. Yes, that's, that, that is yeah. the case. Yeah. It's Crash. He, broke, he breaks the, the bottle, bottle and stab, stab, stab. Yeah. Slash, and then fink, fink, fink. Yeah. That's a risky move because you don't know how it's going to break. It's actually I mean, hard to do, break a beer bottle, too. You're going to do damage, but the the lethality and the sort of uh, reliability of that damage is... You've got to hope it breaks risk. in a way you can still grip it and it's got a stabby pointed end. And that, and that part's not going to break. Yeah. The, the you know the after you break it that that shard that you're using for the stabbing is this too far i'm just uh you know i didn't feel bad about either of them dying i no, just i just i, I mean, just look back at at the conversations and it's just there's some terrific acting going on here mm-hmm. yes right before the stabbing um you make a really good point ruffalo yeah, colombo says my work around the tape shows that the confession is accurate and turley goes he's smoking does it and then there's a Silent panel, which is blowing the smoke out of his nose while he's looking at Ruffalo Colombo with the same expression. It, There's just terrific it, stuff like that through this whole issue. You're right. It, it's some of the best acting is a good way to put it. Um, and it, it like it's it's doing subtext in a conversation between people in a comic book 
Mm-hmm. And I don't think your standard, you know, I don't think without thinking about it, how you know how impressive that is. Yeah. You know how hard that is to do in a comic book where you don't have movement of eyes and movement of body language and things like that? Facial, and they did it. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Fornis I think is the really worst drawing in this book is is Tom King and Jorge Fornis. Yeah, then it's not a great likeness of either one of them. Well, no. Jorge Fornis is pretty good. Tom King's not that great. Um, it just stands out a lot. They put the light. Should, they should have... Um, I'm going to criticize Dave Stewart. I think they should have turned the light down on that. It looks like they got a spotlight right on him. Uh, so we're next going to see Fornes as is appropriate for a guy who was started off as much more of a Mazzuccelli clone on Daredevil. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think he's certainly up his chops since that point. Yeah. Uh, for sure. For and I'm sure. going to say it's a negative. I like the style a lot. Yeah. So for me, Josh, not surprising, probably pick of the week would have been just Fantasy Four Thirty Five, the one hundred page spectacular celebrating sixty years of Fantastic Four. Although it wasn't issue six hundred, it was issue six something. Uh, else. It's uh, this is the book that asked the question. Six eighty. Right, can there be such a thing as too much Kang? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I loved this issue. And I thought this week's Kang number two wasn't as good as Kang number one or this issue. So this this was... I agree. I read them back to back. And I, I agree with you. Reading back to back, I was like, ooh, lots of Kang. However, when I finished this issue, I thought this was a much more fun Kang than the Kang and Kang the Conqueror number two. And I love I love the Council of Kangs. I love the different Kangs. I love how much they hate each other. Even though they're all the same person. I love the Book of <laughs> they Kang. They distrust themselves. It's a very, very funny conceit. <laughs> I love the Book of Kang, where they have to write their adventures down. And the one, Amortis is very much on top of making sure. Amortis is like the, he's like the middle manager of the team. The, uh, the Amortis is like, you can't do anything to me. I have the book. <laughs> and, and they're like, what the fuck does that mean? And it did not matter. <laughs> he, thought he, he thought he was protected by the book. I'm going to tell you. What the best thing about this whole issue was for me, uh-huh. um, I, I hadn't noticed the credits for whatever reason. I just started reading through it, and I yeah. go, is this John Romita Jr.? Yes, yes. And it was like having him back. It was great was, Romita. Great oh, Romita. It was perfect. It was exactly what he should be drawing, mm-hmm. and he just did it. There was 15 inkers. There was five <laughs> inkers. But in a way, like I was like, I get it. It was a shit ton of pages, Yeah, you know, and who knows when they started it, but it was just like full on... JR, JR, you know, and he's, I, I, I'm not, I don't, like, he's getting old. And yeah. I don't mean that, like, you no, know, like, he, he can't is. do it. Yeah. I mean that I, I kind of, I'm out of way. I, because his name's Junior, I still think of him as a young upstart still. And he's got to be in his 60s. And he works constantly. And, and I just, like, I want him to work forever, is my point. Like, oh, I was so thrilled. The first, I mean, like you, I didn't look, I didn't, I don't think his name was on the cover or I didn't even look at it. No, it's, his name's not mm-hmm. on the cover. So, I, I, the first page, because, you know, we've been reading this whole time. It's been these other great artists. And I was like, this yeah. is not those guys? What's going on? And I went, wait a minute. It's Ramita, and it looks awesome. So the story yeah. of this issue is that uh, the, the Fantastic Four return from their latest adventure, and there's this mysterious device. They, they discover this mysterious device in their headquarters. It's invisible, and it's, it's got time energy on it. And we cut to Never Space, uh, the place where broken timelines go to die, which is the Kang headquarters. And we have the Council of Kangs. We have Kang. We have Amortis. We have Ramatut. No, the other one. That was from the other issue. What's his name? Uh, when the, he's the, the Scion? No, that's no, no, the newest no. one. That's the last one. But who's the... Dine... Who's the Tut? Ramatut is what you're talking is about. Is Ramatut? Yeah. 
I thought that was the other type. Anyway. No, it's the name of my iPad. We have three. And then we have red Scarlet Centurion. So these are the, the four. That's the one I couldn't. Yeah. The four Kang identities. They're all around their table being Kang to each other. And then <laughs> you can only enter the, t- the, the, the Qued Quarters if you are of Kang uh, lineage or Kang blood or whatever. And so another body enters and he called me Cyan. They're like, who the fuck are you? He's like, I am you in the future. <laughs> so I was like, awesome, a new Kang. And so they're all, you know, talking about Kanginess. And uh, they decide they have to go retrieve. It's, it's a broadcast energy transmitter situation. They have their, there's four pieces of this time uh, object. And they're all, they're, they've been sent all over the time stream to the Fantastic Four in different parts of, of time. And so they all they decide they're all going to go get, pick up a piece and they're going to kill a Fantastic Four in each each uh, scenario. And so then they're going to come back and then recount their adventures so our boarders can write it down in the great book. And so each story is a different time for the Fantastic Four. So the first one's in the 60s, then there's one in the 90s, and then there's one in the 2000s, and then one in the present day. So they get to... We get a fun little jaunt through Fantastic Four history. We get to see, you know some shitty 90s costumes and we get to see the the freedom foundation era of hickman and we get to go back to the 60s and and then in each one the kangs supposedly murder the fantastic four and tell their story then we find out at the end it's not actually true and that scion is actually reed richards because reed is the ancestor of kang that's that was i don't believe that that was canon yeah, it's but been it for definitely a while. is now. Now, I mean, according to what I'd read before, and I had well, it's always like, been it, like implied, right? Exactly. And now we, but here, now we're outright saying he's he's Reed is an ancestor right. of King because genetically he was able to get into the thing. So yeah. that's why one thing I noticed in both Kang books that I'm not thrilled about, but I cannot complain about, is uh, they've started using the word variant. And variant and the TVA is in this issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was yeah. the TVA a thing that existed? I have no idea, Previously. but now they're full on. Yep, and I, I don't love that, but because it just because it's it's just obvious. I notice it, like I yeah. don't like noticing it. Are you a variant? Um, yeah, I was like, oh, we're doing that. What if whatever you were a variant? Mm-hmm. So I like this because then we got like a little time displaced team up of one member from each team, so from each era teams up. So you got like sixties Sue and nineties. Uh, ben Grimm has got the helmet on because Wolverine fucked up his face and it didn't grow back. And you know, I, I just thought this was a fun history book. The art was terrific. I thought this was great. Kang, my favorite Kang is still Kang Kang. Sure, he's the most militant, militarized of the Kangs. He's the most super villainy. I love the moment when the guy, the uh, Crimson, I keep wanting to say Crimson Dynamo, uh, split the thing into all of his versions. So there's five mm-hmm. versions of the thing and he, they all punch him at the same time. I just thought this was, you know, the kind of stuff that Dan Slott does the best, which is the Marvel deep dive coming it together in a very emotional, heartfelt story. I think uh, the thing that made me happiest about this maybe was that uh, it was just Ramita. Yeah. I thought when they split into the I different for sure. parts, yeah. they were going to go to different artists and he drew all of them and I love it because he's... He's perfect for He's straddling eras. He can do all of them, and he doesn't seem out of place in any of them. And I think that's fantastic. Four. Yeah, he is. And then there was two backups. They were fine, but it was all about the main story. 
Yeah, that the I don't think I even read. I tried to read the double page spread one. No, I did. I skimmed. I, I don't have this. Um, the Mark Wade one was fine, but not. It's not why this. It's not why we're talking about this. Actually, you know, the, I actually did like it. The thing was like Reed decides to make them superheroes because of the things they lost when they got their powers. Like Sue was right. trying to be an actress, and Johnny felt yep. invisible and and. Was Sue not always trying to be an actress? I don't remember if that was true or not. And then you know, obviously. Ben Grimm thinks he's ugly and can't be looked. No one wants to see him, so he decides he's going to make them superheroes and it's going to turn everything around. Which I thought it was a nice little story, but I thought this whole issue was terrific. Kissing rock lips is a weird thing to do. It is weird. Anyway. I think about that every time I see uh, Ben and Alicia. Quick break. <laughs> Let's talk about some underwear. You're a busy guy, Josh, and the world. <laughs> Stop thinking about what to wear and just embrace the radically efficient Mac Weldon daily wear system the daily wear system is a selection of clothes rooted in smart design made with performance fabrics and built to work together from breathable t-shirts and polos to stylish button-ups and shorts underwear and beyond mac Weldon makes it easy for you to dress for work leisure and play or wherever else your summer takes you so josh you talked before about how you like to dress appropriately for appropriate situations you like clothes mm-hmm that are specific to actions and events and times. What's your summer Mac Weldon situation now that we're heading into summer? I mean, summer Mac Weldon situation is, uh, you're going to go with the, depending on the day, if it's real warm out, if you're going to be doing stuff, I'm going to go with the air knit mm-hmm. or the newer air knit HD. Mm-hmm. Um, the 18 hour, the, the just sort of gold standard one. That's kind of good always. Right. Like it's kind of, that's your all rounder. Um, I got I got a couple of silvers that are hanging in, been around for a while. But you're a guy uh, who likes to like go hiking, you know, do a lot of outdoor yeah. outdoor activities, and so you've got your Mac Weldon gear for that. Yeah, I mean, if it's gonna be a if it's gonna be a a, a warm day, you definitely got to go with the air knit because mm-hmm. you you don't even notice those things, but they right. stay where they are. Uh, you can go with I I find the a sweatpant to be a little warm in that situation for me. Right, that's more um, for so that's more go. for a lazy day around the house. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the, but but you know, functional pockets. Well, the radius pants. Got... The radius pants good for a hike. It's true. I've done it. That's absolutely true. Uh, you go with it with a short for those things. Your Pima cotton shirt. Um, mm-hmm. Never a bad choice for that kind of thing. It's light. It uh, it doesn't get stinky. It uh, it wicks the moisture. It's all about moisture wicking. When I was a kid, no one talked about moisture wicking. No. That wasn't a thing that existed. We were walking we around dressed. not even knowing that moisture wicking was a thing, like savages. We were we were walking around in synthetic blends, dying. <laughs> What's we with all the polyester? Know. That guy we just like, passed why out. Tra- why don't we trap all of this moisture <laughs> and air <laughs> inside? We didn't know. So, you know, and then, I mean, and then at the other side, we were walking around going, I think cotton's the best thing for this, and it wasn't. I'm going to tell you a quick story, and this is not in the script. This actually happened uh, <laughs> yesterday. You know, it's, it's a little chilly in Los Angeles. We haven't really had the hot summer that uh, we usually get. And I got out of the shower, and it was like 69 degrees out and in the house. And I was like, shit, I need pants. And I'm only putting, looking for shorts. I could not find my Ace sweatpants anywhere, and I was tearing up my drawers looking for it. So, first mm-hmm. of all, got to figure out where they went. They're, they're in some drawer. I just don't know exactly which drawer they're in. But that's where I went. My, my brain immediately went to the Ace sweatpants. I put them on the other night, starting to get cold at night. I yeah. went right for them. Gotta and find it worked, them. damn it. Got to find them. 
So there's all kinds of uh, different Mac Weldon gear for whatever your situation you're going to be in this summer. And actually, we got an email about Mac Weldon from a listener. Brian wrote in and says, I've been thinking about this for three weeks since I moved from San Francisco where I could wear pretty much any kind of underwear all year round to New York where it's been hot, humid, and thunderstorms all the time without sharing too much with Mac Weldon. Which Mac Weldon styles are best for heat and humidity? Something, something that won't bunch up. I think I kind of answered. I think the deal is you want to look at the AirNet. Mm-hmm. I tend to prefer the regular AirNet over the AirNet HD mm-hmm. uh, in, in that sense. But uh, then you've got the 18 hours. Those are the best at not bunching up. The 18 hours, like, they're not moving on you. I've got right. pairs that are years old, and they are still doing the thing that they're supposed to. Right. Um, they're not necessarily as good at the, at the heat and moisture transference, but quality stuff sure. uh, they don't pill they don't get um yeah you're, you're good with either of those it's going to come down to a matter of personal preference the air knit are a little not looser but they're lighter feeling right i don't think they bunch though i think you're good with yeah. either of those you should check that out check the the are, sure. that's you know in those awful new york summers you're gonna want something i mean i i know that people don't think about new york city as this but a humid new york day is it's the, worst. it's the it's the worst that like that that heat just lives in between the buildings and you you there's no escaping anywhere there's no that that's the worst park. time in new york it's is yes. the oh, it's uh, the one month or so where it's just unbearably it's, hot and you're gonna want no, clothes it's, that are breathable it's no different than houston it is yeah. it is as bad <laughs> so that's mac that's why mac Wellen's gonna help you out with with breathable clothing that will that will that will still look stylish no matter what you're doing in New York. So buy some time this summer with Mac Weldon's daily wear system for twenty percent off your first order. Visit macweldon.com/ifanboy and a promo code ifanboy. That's macweldon.com/ifanboy promo code ifanboy for twenty percent off. Mac Weldon radically efficient wardrobing. I like the word wardrobing. Wardrobing. I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm going to start using it anyway. Um, checking in on Spider Woman fifteen. I know that you. Uh, this wasn't your cup of tea. But I read it. it. Is I, did you? Yeah, I, I was like, I couldn't remember. <laughs> I was like, am I off this? I don't remember what I chose. And I read it, and I was like, I, there were things I liked, but I just don't care about this family storyline, and I just want it to be over. There's that nonstop Spider-Man thing. This yeah. is like that. It's yeah. just constantly moving, and like you know, there's a different. Like whenever her kid's in danger, she goes nuts and mm-hmm. and goes and and you see like just she's so tough, you know. Like and she's right. got to sort of hold back her her anger, you know, and her rage about things. Mm-hmm. And she's got people around her to be like, it's cool, you know. Like we're we're gonna be okay, and and like it's important to have that character. But what it isn't, it's not all about crazy mother lady. It's not that because mm-hmm. that could get old really quick. And I think that it it fits in pretty well. Um but uh, I just like that it's sprawling and it keeps going. And there's one one thing, you know, story that goes through it, and we keep uh, exploring a history. And it isn't one of those things where some characters do not need to have their history explored. Mm-hmm. She is not that well known, even if there is an existing story. Most people don't know it, so they can have fun with it. Also, I I dig the hell out of the Perry Perez art in this. Yeah, I no, the art's it's great. Ex- it's and exactly this is, this what it is, needs to be. Actually, she won ten, which is super impressive for the for this book, but. I'm not, yeah. not, it's, it's a legacy, obviously going back to the 70s, but still. Um, I might just have you let me know when there's a new story. Uh-huh. 
if there ever is. It may just be that we just we just keep mining this her family forever and this ever. This is a new chapter in this same story, but, but it's, it's still not the same, the same story. one that was. Yeah. Yes. I just would like something else to happen. That's fair. I'm also I'm, I'm I like how they just completely disregarded her new costume after about two issues. Yeah. Well, that was on purpose too. Like they I know but they made such a big deal of it. You yeah, know. but that's what they do. This that's is the cosplay just... appropriate costume and that's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh second coming, only begotten son number five. Mark Russell, Richard Pace, and Leonard Kirk. Um, I like this issue a lot. I liked it a lot. I'm not sure if I even read number four. I might have missed it, but I thought that worked pretty well. And I think it's it's. I don't know if this this is closest to sacrilege as it gets in this book, <laughs> which is saying something. But also, to be fair, I think this has always been very respectful. Mm-hmm. Well, Mark, of, this of, Mark Russell is. He's yeah. A, He's not. He's not a theology, theologian, but he studied theology. I don't remember. You interviewed. You interviewed. Uh, I mean, he know he. He may not have official credentials. I don't know, but he knows the, his stuff. He knows. Well, he, what the was Bible. the first book he wrote? It was the Bible. I forget. Not the yeah, actual I mean, basically, Bible. he did. He, no, but he he did. He's done two <laughs> books that are basically tellings of of what it's you know it's his interpretation basically of what it's saying. Right. And um, the thing that I liked in this is that. Um, some shit went down and Jesus is like, I, I gotta go home. I gotta see my dad. And he goes to heaven and, and you see like this, and he joins like a group of people on their way up to heaven. And yeah, that was the last you know, issue. There was a bus to, there was a bus going to a casino from my old folks home and it went off the rails during an oh. earthquake and, that, and everybody on the bus died. Okay. I definitely missed that. So but, we missed all the, we, we met all these characters and got to know them a little bit before they, they went to heaven, this issue. So they, they get up there and heaven's just kind of a, you got to put these people here. It's not. It's, it's kind of like the a suburb. Great, it's kind of like yeah. A, it's not like the great paradise afterlife, but it's a nice place to be. Yeah, you get a nice and, little two bedroom. You know, and God in this is just sort of like you know, ah, you know, I made some mistakes. I'm dealing with them the best I can. But my favorite, my favorite thing in this whole book is there is a man who's lived his life completely piously. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's done everything that he was supposed to do of it, probably a very hardcore interpretation of the Bible and he yeah. shunned others and did whatever. And he's looking around kind of sad as other people are reuniting with their family. And God, lo- God says, look at this sad tub of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's like, I did everything right. This isn't paradise. And he's like, Oh, we got you a nice two bedroom apartment. He's like, you're kidding me. All this for this? And he's like, yeah, you probably should have lived a little more. Yeah, they, and, everyone else is here. Every All the other sinners, and there's Muslims and Buddhists, and every, we're all here at the same place. And Hitler's there. He's in hell, but hell's just kind of a shitty neighborhood. <laughs> Hitler and Stalin are neighbors, and they have a seagull problem. <laughs> and uh, I like, I mean, I think this is really fun. I also like the sunspot s- s- subplot, which honestly, the further we get into the book, the least interested I'm in of sunspot as a character. Sure. In the beginning, it was kind of interesting, but it's mostly been about how interesting the Jesus side of the story is. But Sunspot here, Sunstar, not Sunspot, that's Sunspot's an X-Men. Sunstar Who knows? Uh, decides to have an office, a storefront, where he can take people's suggestions because when he helped rebuild the city, he got really popular. So he figured, hey, maybe I can do stuff people actually want me to do instead of just fighting crime. And so he discovered that something that was so well shown in Parks and Recreation, which is when you start pulling the crowd, you get really crackpot ideas. And terrible Ugh. ideas, and so uh, he decides this is a really bad idea to, yeah. to to pull the crowd. Until the one guy says, "You should just leave because <laughs> one day you're going to decide we're not worth it. And you're going to kill us all." And so, for the best thing you could do for us is just to go. And that really fucked him up. 
but I thought yep. this was a good issue. It was. It was. I, this is this this is the end of this. Mini? Who knows? Who knows? No, of the mini probably. Oh, I don't know. It felt like an ending, but I guess there's also room for another thing. No, next issue is, is the finale. Six issues. Okay, fair enough. I wanted to mention Titans United number one from Kevin Scott and Jose Luis. Jonas Trinidad and Rex Locus and Mar- Carlos Manguel. The only name I recognize is the letter. And I, I re- usually recognize a lot of the names. Um, I was like, oh, a Titans book. That's fun. I'll check it out. And then I was like two pages into it. And I was like, well, this is a weird lineup. And then I realized, oh, it's the exact lineup from the TV show. So, uh-huh. it's, and there's a big old ad for the TV show on the cover. It's, it's literally just a, please watch the show. Here's our, here's the characters. They don't really make sense together in a book form, but okay. <laughs> it's like uh let me tell you the, the lineup one second i got on the wrong page it's um nightwing and starfire raven and changeling or beast boy donna troy and, and connor kent jason todd and hawk and dove that's the team does you want is that is that show exist yeah it's on season three right okay. now on hbo max you do you watch it season three's been really fun it's been the best season so far but it works in a tv environment uh and Jason Todd in the show is the is the villain now. As when he used to be the uh, a member of the team as Robin, now he's Red Hood. He's a villain as a as Red Hood. He doesn't really work on this team. Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't just doesn't work. But it just was you know this was fine. But yeah. it just I was just annoyed the whole time. I was like, this is this is this is just the time. Like this is the stuff that annoys me about the the Hollywood influence, which is. You know, it's this team isn't put together because the writer decided this was the best group of characters to work together. This was put together because this this use these characters. You know what I mean? That's what that's what bugs me. It's not it's not a choice from the comic person. It's a choice from the Hollywood people. The idea is somebody was like, "All right, well, we can sell books," and I guess that they're trying to sell comics to the people who like the show and don't buy comics, or at least sell extra like but my point is like how many how many copies could that be like how much money could they make from this realistically well i i'm actually gonna disagree and tell you i think it's the opposite because from what i know working with warner brothers every every minute of every day everyone at warner brothers's job is to increase hbo max subscribers and so you know which is so it's i think what they're trying to do is say you like this book well these characters are all on a tv show that's why it's advertised all over the place and even if it only enough. adds a significantly insignificant number of, re- of people watching the show, because mm-hmm. the comic book, the whole of comic book reader is significantly insignificant. I mean, what can this sell? It, it, my, my point is, it doesn't matter. They have to they have to show that at, at every moment they're trying to increase HBO Max subscribers. Mm-hmm. And so, um, this seems to be what the whole point of this book is, which is it's just annoying because it should it shouldn't. What? It's the tail wagging the dog. I was gonna say that's a very good use of that phrase. You know, if you think back to the the pre-60s days, mm-hmm. you know, the idea was like whatever passing trend was going, you would quickly get out some sort of comic book to take advantage of sure. that thing. And that feels like this to me, but with a sort of modern twist on it. But it's just like whatever crumb you can you can salvage is, is you know, why you do it. Because I can't think of another reason to do this. Yeah. It's interesting with the proliferation, the coming proliferation of a lot of HBO Max, DC TV shows. My my concern is what that's going to mean for the comics in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, 
start aping all these all these things as opposed to the other well, way. Well, I mean, like the, the the thing about comics to me, mainstream comics, Marvel DC, is that it has always been at the basis, at the underlying part, is like, well, all right, how do we make a buck off of this? But yeah. laid on top of that are people who are like, well, let's try to make it good when we do that. Now that doesn't mean the company's doing it, but the people involved with making it are mm-hmm. they want to do good product they want to make you know something that they're proud of or whatever but underneath it is all is just grass commercialism that's mm-hmm. that is the bones of of the comic book industry and this is the current version of it yeah. and it's no different than like every time there's a but it brings up that question it's not different than, than you're right it's no different than any of no. that the tie-ins and there's when there's a movie there's suddenly a book for the like it's no different than that it's just it's just usually there's some there's some level of like oh, there's a Suicide Squad movie. We'll do a Suicide Squad book, but it won't be exactly the same characters from the movie. Mm-hmm. But it'll just be yeah. a Suicide Squad book. Here it's like these are the characters. So this team is now. But look, and it's it's not like it hasn't been that way for a while. I'm just it just was so blatant, you know. Like Titans has been aping the cartoon lineup forever. You know, gone are the days of mm-hmm. what's the best and most interesting lineup here. Now it's okay. We have a cartoon, so use these characters, and that's an, it's just it's just sad. That's all. But in that in that instance, they they're trying to sell comics there. They're trying to move some extra comics there. Maybe, maybe not. But more recently, yeah. Well, that well, th- that's my question. Like, yeah. I just don't. The thing is, is is right now in in Hollywood, everything, all efforts are to increase streaming numbers, and that's oh, I get that. No, done. and it, yeah, that makes sense. But specifically, you know, it's because that's look. This is a whole longer discussion, but that's that's the only goal right now is to increase streaming numbers, and so. Even if they can only get ten people from reading the book, mm-hmm. you know, it's just frustrating. Those are the books we wanted to talk about. There weren't a ton of them, to be honest, but there were some, and we had fun talking about them. But at Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. If you become a patron, every patron can do so. We call it the patron pick. And this week, for the second week in a row, we had a Jeff Lemire comic, Jeff Lemire number one, come in as the patron pick. This was an overwhelming favorite of the patron votes this week. Primordial number one from Image Comics, Jeff Lemire, Andrea Sorrentino, Dave Stewart, Steve Wands. And Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino have done several projects together. This is their latest. It's got monkeys. Yes. They're on the cover. It does have monkeys. I I liked it more than I did the one from last week. Maze book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's fine. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know what the story. This is should yet. be in your wheelhouse. It's an alternate yeah. history of the space race, in which a couple of things happen differently. One, Kennedy lost the sixty election to Nixon, and so there probably isn't the same support from the Nixon administration as there was from the Kennedy administration. And the other thing is, uh, when they sent the two monkeys up into space, uh, in the book the monkeys died, and so because the the rocket failed. And so that, that made everyone skittish about sending humans up, and they canceled the they canceled the space program. I don't know that that would actually happen, but that's what the, that's the conceit. The story of this book is that the monkeys didn't die because the rockets failed. The monkeys disappeared because they were taken. The same with Laika from the Soviet side, the dog. And so here, as the space program is being decommissioned in 1961, we have a doctor from MIT who's been brought on to help decommission the program to go through the equipment, see what's useful, what's not useful. He finds some paperwork that shows that maybe the monkeys were, did not die when they, when they were said to have died. And, and then there's a whole bit about them being abducted possibly by aliens. And there may be a man in black in his car. I, this was a little obtuse for me and I much preferred Mace book to this. 
I think that hearing the description of it, I should like it more than I did. Um, it was less straightforward than May's book. And I mean, it, it felt like a, a bit of a cold open. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing where in a cold open, you're not quite sure where you are, you know, or what's going on, but you'll understand later. I think comics tend to forget to do that part mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, so, you know, I've, I'm very interested in the first bit, you know, the space program, but is it gets, but then there's some more alien abduction and, you know, metaphysical blah, blah, blah. I find that less interesting. That said, you know, and I think that I think that th- if that's what your story is, then I think Andrea Sorrentino is great for that. Mm-hmm. Um, his art is beautiful to look at, but it, it tends to be very ethereal and very, you know, given to maybe some surrealism, some s- symbolism rather than literalism, um, which are not my favorite kind of comic books. Only because it doesn't give me a good, I, I don't know where we're coming from. I don't know what the point is. Yeah. Always, and I don't need to know right away. I, I'm not. I, I'm, I wouldn't be in the position of writing this off, but I'm not in love. You know, it was a weird first date. I don't know if I call again. Yeah, I don't know. I, I you know, tend to give Lemire some rope, but also I don't read everything he writes. He's he's very pro- prolific. No. He's. I was realizing that like he's really prolific. Like yeah. he's doing a lot of books, a lot of different kind of books, way more than you know at the beginning of his career. You you would think you would have expected from right. him. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. I, I, this one didn't do a lot for me, and I just don't know that I'm interested in any reading any more of it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. But uh, I maybe, think I'm going to read the next one. Maybe I'll see what the week's like when it comes out next, but it just it didn't... Yeah. I, I, I didn't finish it going, ooh, what happens next? I finished it going, okay, well, that happened. Mm-hmm. So and we're both people who love the space race stories about the space race, but I just didn't yeah. feel much to this one at all. Um, ratings, ratings, ratings on Primordial number one out of five. I'm going to give it. Mm, mm, this is tough. Two two point eight. I was just going to say three. I don't think it's a bad comic book. No, I just, I just don't know do if it's what I want. Yeah. You know? Uh yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Um I, yeah, no, it's funny. This is not the best segment we've ever done cuz I'm not really sure what to say about it. I don't not like it. I don't really like it. And I'm not sure what it is, and I feel like I should, but I don't yet. That's that's uh not a great review. You may have you may have convinced <laughs> me to read a second issue cuz cuz I'm not sure what I think, but I don't know that I loved it. I definitely didn't love yeah. it. Definitely didn't love it. But I didn't dislike it. I just I just was you know, I was fired up after reading May's book. I didn't really care or think about it after I finished reading Primordial. Yeah, I mean, that might have been it. Like, you were probably more excited than I was, but I bet you were looking forward to it. Um, No, not necessarily. Like I said, he's put out a lot of stuff. And I, for some reason, yeah. the stuff he does with Andreas Sorrentino, I haven't really cared for. Mm-hmm. Like, he did he did some, like, post-apocalyptic book with, with, with Andrea, and I didn't, I didn't think it made it more than three issues into that. I just, for whatever reason, whatever they're into together is not what I'm into. You know? Fair. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. You can vote to add a book to the rundown or at the $5 or higher level, get your superpower live on the show. Like these patrons. Wayne Murphy has the ability to warp reality 
and therefore recast films. Oh, whoa! So he'll be watching the movie and he'd be like, "This is this is all wrong. Leonardo DiCaprio should not be the lead in Gangs of New York." <laughs> and he will warp reality. Now, that's a we don't know if he's good at casting movies, right? We don't know if by recasting somebody else in that role, he ruins another movie that that person would have been in at the time they were shooting. These are all, you know, it's a Scarlet Witch of film casting. Wow. It could change everything. But that it can do a, it. That is a great and terrible power. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, you don't even know, like, you're watching, you know, some classic film. You're watching The Godfather, and you say, you know, you got to get... So and so out of that role, uh, he just he decides he hates James Caan as Sonny, and he moves it. and And the person he puts in there doesn't matter is fantastic, but by doing so, he erases you know swaths of film that come after it. Interesting. You just because that's know. a whole domino I mean, effect. Sure, it's like a butterfly effect. But it might be nothing. It might be somebody was off at that time. It's, uh, I don't know, it's becoming more than I initially envisaged when I started talking. power you hold in your hands. But, yes. Yeah. Be careful. It's, it's a little like, it's a little like Black Bolt. <laughs> really don't want to use it. Yeah, only, only when necessary. You can do it more recently. You can be like, Zach Efron shouldn't have been in that. <laughs> George Crawford. Is that still a thing? <laughs> Zach, Zach Efron, yeah. George Crawford... Uh, if George is using a pen or a pencil, it never runs out of ink or or shrinks. So his pencil never never dies. It always Does stays. Does it dull? No, it never. It stays sharp and it always stays at the same length. Hmm. And the ink, the pen never runs out of ink while he's using it. So he's only got the two. Yeah, <laughs> his basic writing writing implements never. He never has to buy more writing implements. Do you find? That if something doesn't wear out, you still kind of want a new version of it or an updated thing, and no. it's annoying that it doesn't wear out. No, that's a me thing. Hmm. Like I'll buy clothes. Example. And be like, I really, I want different clothes, but these are all still perfectly fine, so no. I don't really have an example for it. So I don't have a, I don't have a reason for it. Justification for a younger, poorer Josh would have been. I just, you know, these are all worn out, so I get to get some new clothes. Now that just doesn't really happen the same way it used to. When you were a kid, it was new school stuff, you know, every year, and you would outgrow things, so you had to. When you're older, you just get stuck with the same stuff forever. True. This True. is not what you were talking about, but this, that's what I was, that's what made me That's think. okay. I understand. Justin. Just Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> probably Timberlake, honestly. I mean, that, that seems like the most likely thing. Yeah. Probably. I would think that he's he's huge into us. Yeah, I, I and it, so. it would be the closest of having a um, a rich benefactor. But as of yet, <laughs> we don't get those sweet in uh, sync royalty fortunes yeah. that we'd asked for. I asked for the masters <laughs> to Backstreet's back. No, that's a different. Band. That's a different band yeah. um, in the title. You know, <laughs> you know, some days you're feeling a bit unstable. You're feeling a little loose mm-hmm. inside. Oh, oh, he'll firm you up. Wow. He'll just he'll firm things up. I don't know. My stomach's a little. There you go. Oh, thanks. He's zapping all firm into firmness. Up. Yeah, he'll firm things up. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point out, by the way, I wrote this one several weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I am not currently feeling. Well, 
No, I think I'm good. You feel fine. I don't. Yeah, I don't need a visit from Justin right now. But when I thought of it, I might have. Right. He'll firm me up. So, Aaron Reinhard, do you remember in Star Wars when yes, someone was whatever it is, <laughs> someone was referred to as a laser brain? Yep. Aaron Reinhard <laughs> can has a laser brain. He can shoot lasers out of his brain. Now the problem is holes. You know, he can't shoot him straight out of his forehead because there's no hole there, but it come out of his nose, his ear, his ears, his, his mouth. That prince that that to me creates physics problems. Listen, there are there are physics problems, but Aaron's power <laughs> subverts them. <laughs> Cuz a laser is if nothing else a straight line. <laughs> so and and the path from your brain <laughs> out the nose is if nothing else Quite a crooked line. He has a series of tiny mirrors in his skull that bounce mm-hmm. the laser through the, the cavities and canals. <laughs> and, and allow him to therefore excite cats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it just like a pen light laser? Like it's totally safe unless you shine it in somebody's eyes? Yeah, exactly. He's not going to burn through anything with it, but he can shoot it through. He's also awesome at raves. You know. If your laser machine that's goes fine. down. That's, that's very nice. That's good. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go and you can uh, add a book to the rundown and you can get your superpower live on the show. Patreon.com slash iFanboy is also where you can go uh, and, and uh, help support the show. You can uh, see... You can't see. I'm telling you. Uh, the patrons have unlocked all sorts of uh, content and additional stuff that is part of this iFanboy experience that we all know uh and live with uh such as the patron pick that we just did and those powers uh and talksplode uh podcast and booksplode podcast and media explode podcast that's what we do we do podcast and youtube content being re-uploaded uh, from all our old video shows um we have a new stretch goal the next one is that we will add you guessed it another podcast <laughs> uh a comic book tv show special uh, special edition where we're not going to cover like every show that comes out or by episode, but at the end of them on a semi-regular basis, we will, we will do a show. Uh, we're, we're not, you're not going to have a problem with not getting enough of those. I don't right. think that's not going to be a thing. It'll be, I'm not putting, we're not putting a regular schedule on it, but it will be a thing that, that is part of the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then of course there's the great communities, the Facebook uh, patron group and the discord server. Um, which are which which is worth the price of admission. That's what I think. If if that's what you're searching for, you can go over to ifanboy.threadless.com. You can find eleven, eleven William Miller's real age at the beginning of Almost Famous. Eleven <laughs> designs that can be put on shirts, sundries, phone cases, skateboards, a lot of things. Literally, you name it. Not not literally, but many things that you could sure. name are things you could put those. Those one any one of those eleven designs on, and I want to make this clear: you cannot combine designs on an item. It's just—it's not possible. The technology does not currently allow it. No. Uh, you can go to ifanboy.com/support. Support where you will find a PayPal link if you want to deal with any of that stuff. You can go to ifanboy.com/amazon. Uh, that's our affiliate link where you could uh, click on that and go through it it, it it does nothing it costs you nothing it there makes no impact on your lives at all uh but you can also find uh if you want to buy the books that we talk about uh and you or you want to look at the music that we put on the show uh that all will bring you there because uh, you should support those people mm-hmm. uh, the authors and creators of the art i mean um that's all let's go to audience questions which are not patreon dependent no nope. we will do them anyway 
I want to make sure. that, you know, it's always going to be free. That's a thing. You just, you're just making an investment in the whole thing. And I think that's worth it on its own. Bobby from Seattle, Washington says, I've been thinking about this question ever since I got done reading Dark Days number one. Say you're activated, you've activated the PIM particle when the events of that issue happen. Would you rather get stuck as Giant Man or Ant Man? Pros and cons as to why. This is a great question. Ant Man. I thought about it a lot and I don't even remember what I came up with, but what I said was Ant Man just because it'd be hard to be anywhere. Also, a lot more food is required as Giant Man. Good point. If you're talking about Good society that's, that's, that's in big trouble and can't maybe produce as much food as before, you're, you, you've got to eat a lot of food as a giant man. Tell you what, if we could shrink our whole society down <laughs> in a more compelling way than that Soderbergh movie. It wasn't Soderbergh, that, that was uh, Alexander Payne, I think. Was it Payne? You're right, yeah. it was. It was yeah. Alexander Payne. I don't know why I thought it was. Great so. concept, terrible movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that would, that would solve a lot of problems. So I didn't even thought about that part. I just thought, like, you're not going to be able to get pants. You're not going to be able to sit down. <laughs> you got to wear no. the same suit all the time. Yep. Well, I guess it's, yeah. well, I guess it's just a matter of resources, but someone would have to suit, same problem with Ant-Man, you'd have to, someone would have to make you clothes. I guess you could wear a toy, no? Well, you could make your own. True. You but could do you that have much more too. to work with. Yeah. Like, you just the gathering of materials for having giant pants is a problem. Right. Whereas, whereas the other way, you know, the world is your oyster. Plus, he's controlling the bugs and stuff, so he's not in danger from that kind of thing. But as Ant-Man, no one can hear you. You know? Hey, guys! Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? Hey, listen, it's not step- a perfect scenario in either way. Or if I get, st- I get stepped on. I feel like that's not as big of a problem, because you just, you know, you, you, could, you know, you can see what's coming. You know where to be. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm still agreeing with you. I think Ant-Man is the way to go here. Mm-hmm. But... You know, there are definitely, there are pros and cons to both. The pros for Giant Man is, you know, you're giant. Uh, let's see. Let's, let's take this question from Anthony. But which Anthony? I'm going with the second one, but I didn't want to mention that there was two. <laughs> in case first Anthony was like, what about me? But cat's out of the bag. What has happened with DC Comics? I've looked through upcoming solicitations and they don't make sense to me. They're filled with dozens of randomly named Batman one-shots and minis. <laughs> they seemingly changed the price and page count of multiple monthlies, and there seemed to be more Joker-themed comics than Superman. Was this caused by AT&T? Do you think that it came with the upcoming merger with Discovery? I love DC Comics, but I don't understand their publishing priorities. Thanks, I've been thinking about this for three months. He says, do you think it'll change with the upcoming merger with Discovery? Oh, oh, oh. Um, uh, go ahead. I cannot speak... To the corporate causes, there I have no idea how that works. Whether it's AT and T, Discovery, I I don't, I doubt it. Um, but I I feel what you're saying. I, I I understand that. I think I don't think it's much more unusual than it has been with either publisher for a while. But it's particularly uh, acute right now at DC. Mm-hmm. I think you know you, you got to pick your spots. When you know, you want to get your DC fix, you just go. All right, well. I don't know what any of this is, but I know what this is. And so you go with that. First, I mean, the number one thing is if people are annoyed by all the Batman books, stop buying them. I mean, that's, that's the number. That's the first thing. I mean, mm-hmm. they bought that. They put them out cause they sell. And then, and people like the same thing. People complain about all the Batman animated movies. It's like, then stop buying them. Cause that's why they, that's why they put them out. They sell more than the other ones. 
Um, but it's hard to know why any publisher does what they do because they have the information we don't. I do know that um, a character like Superman, who I love, is going to be less popular than a character like the Joker in terms of the broader public. So that's why there's more Joker material. I agree with you, Anthony, and you, Josh, that there's too much Joker material. I like the Joker. I like reading Joker stories. But in the olden days, when it wasn't such a corporate synergy, the Joker only came around once a year or so. But now he basically seems to be there all the time, always. And because that's because when you look at the uh, total number of revenue, you look at T-shirts, you know, Joker sells a lot, makes a lot of money for Warner Brothers. And that stuff makes more money than publishing. Right. So at it's least like in aggregate. So focus on the characters that make the money. That's what they do. They're it's unfortunate. IPs. This we, we talk we talk about this a lot. This is the fear that comic fans as the beaten down stepchild of media has been always that one day things would change and they they finally have in the last couple of years. And if the corp the corporate boot has gotten heavy. And it never used to be that way. Paul Levitz's whole job as president of DC Comics was to keep the corporate boot off the neck of the publisher. And he did a great job of that. And then he retired and everything changed. And then they mm-hmm. got both bought by AT&T. And then, you know. And then it's all, it becomes all about like maximum shareholder value and return on investment and all that stuff. And, and then the office moved from New York to Burbank where they're definitely under the boot. Like it's all, it all changed when Levitz retired. And that's, this is the result you get. You get comics that are chosen not because there's good stories to tell, but because characters sell a lot of toys. And to be fair, this is not this is not unlike the nature of the beast. I yeah. mean, this is was always inherent in the thing, and it's the danger of sort of forming a an artificial emotional entanglement with IP. Mm-hmm. You know, IP. Ultimately, corporations be, run them. That you know, but. All right, so just don't think of them, I think the best way to go is to not think of them as characters that mean something to you, but you can think of existing stories as pieces of art that you connected with, and those haven't gone anywhere. Right. You know, those are those are around. No, it's not exactly the same thing as being able to look forward to the issues that come up, but there's still stuff in there you're going to like. There's still the same people are writing and drawing who have been doing so over a long time. Right. You know, so there's going to be the thing that gives you a feeling in there somewhere. Um, but you might have to just change your expectations of what it is. But, but also I just go back to sales. Like if Superman comics started selling through the roof, they put out more Superman comics. Yeah. So Batman comics sell really, really well. So anyone who wants to keep their job in charge of publishing will say more Batman books. Ship them out the door. Wants to get work being a comic book creative professional which, you know, the, the number of people who want to do that greatly outnumber the jobs available are going to do those things. They're going to try to make it as good as possible. I have no doubt about that. Anybody I've ever met in comics wants to do as good a job as possible, but it's within a framework. Ship them all out the back door, front door, that door. <laughs> Mirror. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I do agree with you. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm losing the thread. But I've lost the thread before. And, you know, you find your bits. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think DC in particular is a little unfocused in terms of what like this is a longer conversation, a larger conversation, but Marvel is very focused. You know what Marvel's strategies are. All across the board of comics, movies, everything. Uh-huh. Warner Brothers DC, you just have no idea what they're doing for Well, it just feels like DC. I mean, if you looked at their corporate structure at a certain point, there was like 
an editor-in-chief who you've never heard from. There was co-publishers. There was executive editors. There's all this different stuff. I know. Uh, and and it felt like things were coming from 100 different directions. And then Didio leaves, and he was... He wasn't editor-in-chief, but he was de facto editor-in-chief. And he had this whole plan that they kind of half abandoned and half didn't. And now you have this like weird... Yeah. There's a cohesiveness that's missing. There's, there's no cohesiveness in DC. And they're sort of embracing yeah. that with their multiverse... Uh, philosophy it'll come, it'll come around it'll i mean it will like there's no way it doesn't sort of come the other way right until they stop publishing you know comics then then it, it will it will shift and change and be what it'll be it's, what a, it it's is. a mess though you're not wrong anthony yep no, anthony anthony uh if you would like to uh, um, write in you could do so at contact at ifanboy.com uh, you can also send in emails for our media explode put that media explode in the subject line so we know um, episode 800 is coming I don't know if you've counted but we are on 798 so you have a little bit of time left two more weeks um, to send in emails for that make sure that you have 800 in the subject line for that we have systems we must keep thi- we, we must have order Uh huh. you want to put it in there uh, let's let's wrap this let's wrap this up. Yeah, eventually I'll give you them like a real deadline for that. Like you have until this day and time to do it because I, I got to print. You have at least until the next show comes out. So get it in, get them in. Yep. The earlier you get it in, the the less chance we get to start skipping emails on that show because you know it gets too long. But the earlier, the better. Yep. Uh, special edition Batman Long Halloween Part Two that's on the feed in the back somewhere, and also just right behind this show just came out a couple days ago was our latest media explode show. Uh, which we talked about the things we've been enjoying the last month, and, all, and our main topic was disaster movies, the ones we love and why we love them. And I thought that was terrific and terrifically fun conversation. We got, we got, it was we had, fun. We had a lot of fun. We laughed a lot. Talked about a lot of disaster movies. It was a good time. So that's behind the show on the yeah. feed. And then later this month, there's going to be two talks blows this month. Um, if not this month, then you know, like early next. There'll be at least but, one yeah. this month. At least one and another one shortly after, which side of the line it falls on is to be decided. But yeah. And as we talk about episode 800, it's going to be live streamed. If you want to watch us do it live and the mess that will be, live stream October 1st at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I talked to Dr. Ryan Haupt this past week. This is news to Josh. And he claims he wants to do the show with his newborn. And I was like, really? And he said yes. So that we're still in negotiate. I think we he is still in negotiations, but he claims he wants to do the show. So we'll see. <laughs> He'll be in the parking lot of a McDonald's. <laughs> I said it's three hours. He said I know. Uh, and also, <laughs> how do you know, Josh, that no one's listening right now? Because we well, me- people have said, "Hey, when are you doing that Shang Chi show?" Yeah. And I'm like, "We did talk about this. <laughs> We've but had many, many, many people through every every way you can reach out to us. Ask, hey, where's the Shang Chi review?" And that's how you know nobody's listening right now. Because we've what said, I think I tend to think that they're just not listening to the regular show at all anymore, and these are people who just come back for the movie possibly, ones. Possibly. Well, there certainly, certainly are people who do that, but sure, no shame, no guilt, no, it's fine. But uh, yeah, when Shang Chi hits streaming, we'll review it because we're not going to the movie theater right now. True at least that. I'm get, at least I'm not. Get over to I can't even if I wanted to. <laughs> uh, get over to ifanboy.com to find all of our shows and our vast history of comic book writing from our talented staff and i say staff in a present tense because i still think of them as that way mm-hmm. when i when i interact with one of our folks i go oh, that's our writer that's our even though that has not been a thing for a very it's long been time. Seven, eight years eight yeah. years 
Uh, go to facebook.com slash iFanboy or follow at iFanboy on Twitter or at iFanboy Comics on Instagram. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out so you can be prepared. You can follow us individually, C.S. Kilpatrick and J.A. Flanagan on Instagram. You can go to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash iFanboy to subscribe and like and watch our uh, our history of iFanboy Comics, which is which is also a sort of history of comics in the 21st century. Uh, and and slightly before that, so uh, it's a it's a it's a historical document, historical um, artifact of of young men in shorts on a couch. That's what it is. You can follow <laughs> no us. One told I said us. that already. We didn't know. Uh, this past week, uh, there was a mini on Aztec: The Ultimate Man, Volume One, which was apparently hosted by Ron. It was. I was as surprised as anybody. <laughs> did did like Paul Grist do it? What, no, it was uh, Howard Porter and Grant Morrison. It's just weird. It was a spinoff from the JLA book. Yeah, I know. Why did he? Anyway, uh, there's then know. one of those one of those anthology shows. We have uh, Wits End number three, uh, which Bollywood. Um, it came from the storage unit uh, with with our friend Connor, who goes through his old stuff. Who did in yep. the past? Listen, it's Kang like. Uh, and then there's Hellblazer Pandemonium, which obviously is me. I think that's the Jock. Correct, Jock. That was the Jock book. Uh, Jock OGN. Well, he did. Yes, he drew it. Yeah. Uh, who was the writer on that? I don't remember. I don't remember I do, it's best not to. We'd be doing it forever. And then there's also a show of DC versus Marvel, where I'm sure we sorted that out. <laughs> well, yeah, we can't look for that. They're no different, but that was a fun one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all those yeah. are on YouTube.com/slash/fanboy. <laughs> Subscribe if you want to catch up. We still have um, probably it's probably a year, slightly less than a year left of new shows or shows that'll come out on that. And there's a lots of people listening now who are not who are not around at that time, two thousand seven, eight, nine, ten, when we were doing those shows. So if you have never and, seen them, they're still lots of fun. And one of our viewers, listeners, and they favorite are viewers, things to do, point. they are. Yeah, they're both. They're both. Uh, is to point out, hey, you said this in two thousand nine, but you said this in two thousand twenty one. Right. At which point I would say, yeah. Yeah, because your opinion should grow and change over time. <laughs> right. This is not about a, a stuck, sticking an amber situation. You should. You should. No. You should evolve as a human. And if you don't, that doesn't mean you're strong. It means that you're an impenetrable lout. If you like the show and things like that, write us a review or leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Whatever your aggregator is, or better than that is tell your friends. Word of mouth is a great way to help support the show. And people do that all the time on social media. We thank you for doing that. And we're putting this one in the books for this week. My name is Connor. I'm Josh, the motherfucking champion. Hey.